If you or someone you love is currently having suicidal thoughts, please call or text the National Suicide Hotline at 988. That's 988. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. My voice is getting a little bit worse than it was before. It's been fluctuating. I've been getting better and then worse and then better again. So bear with me, but this episode is important and I wanted to film it. And today, if you couldn't tell by the title, we're going to be talking about one of the many mental illnesses I have. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't have that many. Um, but today, we're going to be talking about borderline personality disorder, which is something I talk a lot about on both my Instagram and my my TikTok because I just feel like there isn't that much representation in the media and like I've spoken about in other episodes my goal is to be super authentic for you guys and obviously BPD which is borderline personality disorder is a big part of my life so I'm going to talk about it and hopefully educate at least one person listening that's my goal just to have one person learn something new and I promise I'm going to try not to make it boring I don't think this stuff is boring but I'm also a psych student so I find this interesting but I hope you find this interesting and you stay till the end because you never know who has BPD and you know you you're going to learn so much about us if you're my friend listening you're going to learn about how I feel you're going to learn about how to help me um how to help other people you love that are struggling with BPD and I don't know. This episode is important to me, personally, obviously. Borderline personality disorder is a mental health disorder that impacts the way you think and feel about yourself and others, which causes problems functioning in everyday life. Um, BPD, it includes like self-image issues, we have difficulty managing emotions and behavior, and uh, a pattern, a very obvious pattern of unstable relationships. Borderline personality disorder usually begins by early adulthood, but mine started like, I would say around the age of 10, and the condition is worse in young adulthood and may gradually get better with age if you're getting the proper treatment. And I get this question all the time, and people are like, is it a chemical imbalance? Like, did you get dropped on the head? And honestly, the exact cause is unknown. There's no one reason, um, but genetics, family, and social factors all play roles in it and this personality disorder tends to occur more often in women and among hospitalized psychiatric patients and some risk factors of BPD are like abandonment in childhood or your adolescence a disrupted family life poor communication in the family or sexual physical or emotional abuse so getting tested for BPD and like getting diagnosed is a lot I don't know if it's different for other things because honestly, um, if you didn't know, I also have like anxiety, depression, all of that lovely stuff. But I was diagnosed so young that I like, don't remember what the testing was like. But BPD, it's diagnosed based on like a psychological evaluation. Um, and like whoever you're taking it with, they'll assess the history and severity of your symptoms. And in order to meet criteria for BPD, a person must have five out of a list of nine symptoms. And I have all of them. Um, but that means that there's 256 combinations of symptoms that meet criteria for BPD. So it's like no two people with BPD are exactly alike, which is crazy to think about. And 
this is another I get all these questions a lot I'm gonna keep saying it for like every question but I really do get these a lot um but people are always like why don't you take meds like I take Zoloft or I take sertraline or whatever I do too but like DBT therapy is the only treatment for BPD and I know it's confusing there's a lot of letters um we're gonna talk about DBT in a minute but DBT therapy is like the only treatment medications there there is no medication but you can like obviously take anxiety and depression medications and those will help improve your mood swings treat depression or other disorders that like occur within this condition but there's no medication that will get rid of your BPD so I just spoke about DBT which is not BPD so DBT stands for dialectical behavioral or behavior therapy and it focuses on learning and applying four core skills and those skills are mindfulness, distress tolerance, interpersonal effectiveness, and this is the big one if you have BPD and you do this therapy, you're going to know this one, emotional regulation. DBT which is the therapy, focuses on teaching people strategies to help them live their best and most productive life. And personally, I've been in therapy since the age of 10, but I only switched to DBT at the age of 17, and honestly, it changed my entire life. At the, like, It's the same as normal therapy, but at the same time, it's completely different. And after one session, like doing DBT, I felt this huge weight lifted off my shoulders and I honestly felt like I'm getting help. Like I'm not bashing other therapists. I'm not bashing basic therapists. Like I'm in school to become a therapist. But while therapy might work for people that are not struggling with like such severe mental illnesses, regular therapy just does not cut it for people with DBT. We need, I mean, BPD, oh my God, look at me getting confused with BPD. Okay, too many, like, I'm going to say borderline personality disorder or borderline. And then DBT is dialectical behavioral. Why do I keep wanting to say behavioral? Dialectical behavior therapy. Okay, now I'm going to tell you guys about some of the symptoms, but please do not self-diagnose. Do not. I do not condone it, and it's actually really difficult to be diagnosed as someone with borderline and even if you relate to some of these, that does not mean you have BPD. So like I said before, borderline personality disorder affects how you feel about yourself, how you relate to others, and how you behave. Some signs and symptoms are an intense fear of abandonment. Oops, I dropped the mic. Look at me go. An intense fear of abandonment, even go to, going to like extreme measures to avoid real or imagined separation or rejection. A pattern of unstable, intense relationships, such as, like, looking up to someone one moment and then suddenly believing, like, they don't care or they're cruel or they're horrible. Um, rapid changes in self-identity and self-image that include, like, shifting goals and values, seeing yourself as bad but then seeing yourself as amazing, or, like, imagining you just don't exist at all. Then there's periods of stress-related paranoia and a loss of contact with reality, which can last from a few minutes to a few hours. I have currently been going through a slight paranoia, which I can't even... Like, it's so bad that I, I know it's bad, but I can't even speak it out loud right now because I'm so scared that somebody will hear it and do it or it will happen. So, like, it, it's bad. Like, it's it's bad. 
Um, next is impulsive and risky behavior such as gambling, reckless driving, unsafe sex, spending sprees, binge eating, drug abuse, sabotaging success by suddenly quitting a job or ending a positive relationship, things like that. And yes, suddenly bleaching and chopping off your hair and giving yourself piercings counts as risky and impulsive behavior. There you go. Next is suicidal threats or behavior or self-injury, often in response to fear of separation or rejection. Then there's wide mood swings lasting from a few hours to a few days, which can include intense happiness, irritability, shame, or anxiety. And then last, or there's two more, but I just want to like go into depth on this wide mood swings one. Um, If you know me, you know I'm literally one of the biggest fans of the Vampire Diaries ever. And if you don't know the show, when you become a new vampire, all your senses are heightened and they switch really fast. So they'll go from being super happy and like excited to being pissed and screaming and crying and just being so broken within seconds. And that is honestly exactly how BPD is. Like BPD, sometimes it's an advantage. Sometimes it makes you stronger and it makes like you can turn off your emotions just like the vampires can. And sometimes that's a strength, but it can also turn into a weakness. Next on my list is ongoing feelings of emptiness and then inappropriate intense anger such as frequently losing your temper, being sarcastic or bitter, or even having physical fights. Okay, the next thing we're going to talk about is something that I hear so much and it's the fact that borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder are not the same thing. So bipolar and borderline. I get asked this all the time and people come to me about bipolar advice and like they'll rant to me and they'll be like I need your help like you know you know so much and I have to tell them like I have no experience with bipolar like they are confused with each other a lot and while they are two separate conditions they do have some similarities but like they're not the same thing at all um So we're going to talk about some of the main differences between the two so that hopefully if you're listening to this and you're thinking I'm talking about bipolar, you can be like, oh, she's talking about borderline. But anyway, some of the differences are the timing of impulsive behaviors. So if you have bipolar disorder, your impulsivity tends to happen during periods of mania or hypomania. But if you have BPD, impulsive urges may arise without other symptoms of mania they can like come at any time and may occur in response to stressors that happen absolutely randomly the second difference is sleep during periods of mania people with bipolar disorder feel more energized and need less sleep you might feel energized after just a few hours of sleep each night and bpd doesn't involve mania so you're less likely to notice this third is mood cycle time And people with BPD have short-lived moods that change within a few hours or days. And people with bipolar disorder tend to have mood cycles that last for weeks or months unless they have rapid cycling bipolar disorder, in which case the mood cycle will be much shorter. But think of it, borderline is like, borderline, you're a vampire. That's how you can remember it. Um, The next difference is relationships. BPD is characterized by a deep fear of abandonment, which can put a lot of strain on relationships. And people with BPD, a lot of the time, struggle with having stable relationships. And, you know, they fluctuate between, like, being obsessed and loving someone and then being like, oh my god, you're horrible. Not for no reason. Like, we'll just pick stuff and we'll be like, you did this to me, it's horrible. And then, meanwhile, people with bipolar disorder might struggle with interpersonal relationships and 
um, the fear of abandonment, it just isn't really present. Then we have triggers. People with BPD are intensely, intensely affected by the way others treat them, especially if they think somebody is abandoning them. So a perceived abandonment can trigger an intense change in mood, which leads to conflict, self-destructive behavior, self-harm. We talked about this earlier. And triggers in bipolar disorder can sometimes occur due to stress, but can other times occur for literally no reason. Then we have self-esteem. Inflated self-esteem, or this word, I have it in my notes, it's grandiosity. It can occur in bipolar disorder, which can sometimes even take the form of psychosis-like symptoms, such as delusions. Um, and if you're talking with like a healthcare professional, they'll often pay attention to the above areas to help you work out whether like your symptoms fit the criteria for BPD or bipolar disorder or neither. So those are the main differences. They're very similar, but at the same time, they're not. So when somebody talks to me about bipolar, I don't want to be like, well, I know about BPD, so I feel like I can help you with like, no, I, I don't. I'm not comfortable with that, not like in a, oh my god, you're making me uncomfortable way, but it's like, I don't feel comfortable with myself giving you advice for something I know practically nothing about. Okay, so now we're at how can you support someone that's struggling with BPD? And maintaining a relationship with someone who you think or you know has BPD can be so hard and stressful and sometimes it can make you really angry. And sometimes with some people, like if they're not getting help, as much as you try to help them, they just don't seem to listen to guidance or even understand how much they contribute to creating one crisis after another in their lives. Um, But, you know, people like me, people that are getting help, it, they're working on it and there is a big difference. Um, But, you know, supporting a loved one with BPD, it takes a lot of patience and empathy and self-reminding that they really can't control what they say or do. Now, I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm not saying you can be like, oh, they have BPD. That's why they, like, hit a child with their car. Like, no, that's not how it works. It's like, oh, they have BPD. We can look into that and try to figure out why they did it, if that makes any sense. Um, but BPD, it's defined by a real inability to regulate thoughts, actions, and emotions due to serious psychological issues that require professional treatment. So when you are dealing with somebody who has BPD, please avoid blaming or criticizing them or telling them they're being manipulative or say, you always push people away by acting like this. Like, we are aware that something is wrong with us. Some of us just might not have the coping tools that are necessary for genuine self-reflection and self-awareness. And the best way to support a person with BPD is to learn as much as you can about the disorder and to give them the unconditional support they might need. You know, many people with BPD have gone on to successfully manage their condition, you know, like me. Well, I'm not successful yet, but I'm working on it. Um, You know, with the help of DBT and counseling and all of that. Um... And honestly, I would say words of affirmation mean so much. I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not trying to, like, speak for everyone that has BPD, but I love, like, the other day, this guy, his name is Noah. Hi, Noah, if you're listening to this. Um, he just outright told me. He was like, I'm not leaving. And I was like, wow. I didn't realize how much I needed to hear that until he said it out loud. Like, it, it, it just took this weight off my shoulders that I didn't even realize was there. And, like, I love when people tell me exactly what they're thinking so I don't have to guess things. Like, they'll be like, 
listen, I'm upset, but I'm never, like, we're never going to stop being friends. We'll talk about this later. Like, stuff like that. So, just try to communicate. Words of affirmation are amazing and, like, saying, like, I love you. I'm not leaving. Um, you're a great friend. You're a great girlfriend. You're a great boyfriend. You're great whatever. Um, that's probably, like, my main thing. And another thing that literally warms my heart it makes me want to cry is when people do take the time to learn about bpd so you listening to this episode you're taking a step in the right direction and it means a lot because a lot of the times people think people with people that don't have bpd think that people with bpd you know are like sociopaths or just just rant like the i've heard the weirdest stuff ever and i've been like oh my god you really don't know anything about borderline personality disorder and that's okay that's not your fault it's just really shocking to me that like it's just not talked about like at all um so yeah I would definitely say words of affirmation and educating yourself are two of the most important things you can possibly do ever so now that you know the basics of borderline personality disorder let's talk about some facts that i find super interesting and should be talked about more and you know i gave you the rundown but now i just want to give you some more little tidbits of information that i don't have to like dive into too much so the first thing is that borderline personality disorder is a psychological disorder which we know now and it affects about one to two percent of the population This next one honestly breaks my heart, but it's that approximately 75% of individuals, why did I say individuals? Individuals with BPD have attempted suicide. And then another one is many individuals with BPD have been hospitalized one or more times, often following a suicide attempt or when professionals think there's a high risk of suicide. And for those of you that don't know, I have been hospitalized. Oh my God, I got a text. Um, Sorry, I'm just so popular. I'm kidding. But I have been hospitalized, so I I definitely agree um, with, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard. It's not easy at all. And yeah, I, I'm like rambling right now, like just thinking about it because I want to tell you guys the story, but I don't think I'm ready yet. Um, but when I am, I will tell you, I promise. For those of you that have been listening to my podcast for a while, each episode I have notes um, so I can just like look at what I'm saying so I don't ramble. But now, um, and sorry, normally I organize the notes like really well, but right now I just have like a big clusterfuck of notes um, because I I wrote them all down really late. I mean, it's late right now. I mean, it's not that late. It's 11 o'clock at night. I guess it is kind of late. But I just have a cluster fuck of notes so if this seems out of order it's because it is and um yeah you're getting information I don't think at this point it matters what order you get it in because I taught you the basics in order so this section is about what BPD can look like and it can look like frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment chronic feelings of emptiness black and white or which is like all or nothing thinking that's what we call splitting unstable relationships cycling between extreme love to extreme dislike self-harm and or suicidal thoughts behaviors or threats rapid extreme mood swings a lack of emotional permanence a warped view of yourself feeling like you lack a clear identity 
disassociation and feelings of unreality, impulsive and self-destructive behaviors like unsafe sex, reckless spending or driving, substance abuse, etc. And you already know this. You guys know this, but you know, that's just that's just a little bit more. And I have another section here that's like living with BPD, which is kind of just like the same thing, I guess, but um I added that it's like constantly changing jobs or hobbies and plans. If you listen to my last episode with Maddie, she even brought up she was like something I don't know what we were talking about but she brought up that I always have like a ton of hobbies some of my hobbies have include included sorry um like I have main ones obviously like reading modeling acting but I've started diamond painting I've done um drawing I've done bullet journaling I've done singing I've done um dance room decor I brought I went through an animal phase and was rescuing animals left and right like it's just a new thing every day like yeah um okay we're gonna talk about some bpd triggers because i know i briefly just touched upon that but i want to go into detail a little bit so we have last minute cancellations not enough attention and i don't mean when i say not enough attention i do not mean like oh my god they don't can't like they're not talk like you know what i mean i mean like i don't know how to explain it i i guess i mean like imagine spending time with someone and they just don't really seem to care about you like, they're on their phone, or they're just talking to someone else, or about someone else, and it's like, I just want to have you, like, you know, okay, being ignored or overlooked, feeling invalidated, jokes about leaving us, or criticism of any kind, criticism does not, okay, personally, for me, last minute cancellations does not really trigger me, it's annoying, but it doesn't trigger me, criticism does not trigger me, um, but yeah, definitely jokes about leaving me breaks my heart because it's like, can I, can I trust you? Like, is that a joke or like, why would you even joke about that? Okay, so also I have this quote written down and it says, to put BPD into perspective, if you go online and search psychological pain, you will see that only one psychological condition is deemed so excruciatingly painful it gets a whole section devoted to it. Borderline personality disorder. That is what we are dealing with. And I definitely agree. It's definitely not easy. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. And I'm trying to read through my stuff because I have a lot of like, like, um, repetitive stuff, but I have some more facts for you. So people with BPD often have overactive frontal lobes, which are the things that control emotion and memory. Uh, people with BPD have amygdala glands that are 16% smaller, which is the part of the brain that re- that regulates emotion. People with BPD experience, experience pain similar to how others feel when they lose a loved one almost daily over minor things, like not getting an I love you back or getting blamed for something we didn't do or somebody making a joke that made us uncomfortable. People with BPD will test others by pushing them away. After an episode, people with BPD most likely won't remember much of it and can bounce back fairly quickly, and this can be super confusing to others. When a person with BPD tells you they feel suicidal, no matter how often they mean it, BPD is horribly, horribly, horribly painful. It's it's really hard. Like, I, I, I wish, I don't wish anybody could feel it, but I wish that you could people could understand but going back to the amygdala thing um because i want to kind of go into detail about that 
like I mentioned, it's the part of the brain that detects danger. And so this means that like we are not choosing to overreact. We're actually reacting in proportion to the amount of danger that our brains perceive because our we have hyperreactive amygdalas, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Like, I don't know. There so many times you'll look at someone and be like, oh, they're overreacting. But have you ever thought maybe like maybe all of our brains are not the same? Have you ever considered that? Um, this next fact, I love it because it's so true, and I mentioned it in my Zodiac episode, but people with BPD are amazing at detecting other people's emotions. We can detect both positive and negative emotion and negatives, negative emotions just by looking at someone's face. And there have been experiments done that show people with BPD are both, both faster and more accurate at emotion detection when compared to people who don't have BPD. The symptoms, sorry, I forgot to mention, I'm going into the next fact. The symptoms of BPD that cause pain in adulthood are actually adaptive coping skills in childhood. So, like, for example, when young children, you know, they, they're faced with this, like, unpredictable and, you know, maybe they're faced with, like, an invalidating environment, being hypervigilant and distrusting others, it's going to help them survive. But as adults, these symptoms can push other people away and it's it's not good, which is just crazy to think about. The next fact is that people with BPD experience so much shame. There is a misconception that I talked about earlier, but it's that people with BPD say and do hurtful things on purpose and that we don't care about other people's feelings. But the truth is that we experience much more shame than the average person and this can even drive people with BPD to self-injury or suicide. And then I have another one. And it is that people with BPD can and do recover. It's not a life sentence. People with BPD are very likely to recover from the most severe symptoms like self-injury and suicide attempts. Meaningful recovery from less severe symptoms like relationship troubles is also pretty likely. Okay, the next section I have in my notes says things people with BPD want you to know. And by people with BPD, I mean, I mean, oh my god, I cannot speak. I need to stop doing these so late. But by people, I mean me. So the first thing is we're not all manipulative and we don't purposefully try to hurt others. We don't seek attention. We seek help, care, and affection. Not everyone with BPD is abusive and not every abuser has BPD. We can't necessarily control our emotions and our reactions no matter how much we try to. Just because you've met one person with BPD doesn't mean you know what BPD is for everybody. BPD, I mentioned this earlier, but it's not an excuse for my behavior, it's an explanation. Living with BPD is not easy, but I promise we are doing our best. Just because I am emotional doesn't mean my feelings are not valid. Communication is important, we don't want to guess or assume things. And this one I really want to stress on because I was talking about it earlier, like when Noah just said, I'm not leaving, I was like, holy shit, I needed that. Like... (laughs) I really, really, really needed to hear that, even if, like, I don't, even if it sounds stupid to you, even if you're like, oh my god, like, she knows I love her, or whatever, just say it, say it again, what harm is it gonna do you? None, but it's gonna make that person feel so much better. Now we're just gonna dive into impulsive behavior, I've talked about it before in this episode, but I'm, like, kinda, okay, what I wanted to do was have the sections and then like kind of cover everything and then go back and deep dive into everything if that makes sense but I know this is kind of all over the place so I hope you're sticking with me I'm sorry but 
One of the symptoms of BPD is impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. So not everyone with BPD is impulsive. I am. But impulsivity is, oh my god, it's considered a severe symptom because the consequences can be so extreme. So BPD impulsivity usually shows up as what people call delay discounting, and this means people with BPD tend to prefer the immediate reward no matter how big a reward or consequence in the future can be. And people with BPD also have a hard time ignoring negative emotions, which makes it very hard to think when you're upset. So, some examples of delayed discounting is, like, going on a shopping spree when you have bills to pay, like, next week, or drinking tonight when you have an important test tomorrow, or, like, rage quitting your job after, like, fighting with the manager, or staying up late doing something fun, but you have school really early in the morning. And so, it works by, like, the person with BPD, they have an unpleasant emotional experience. This is, like, the first step. And then when presented with any chance to change the way they feel, they take it without thinking about the consequences. And then the impulsive behavior changes the negative emotions in the short term, which reinforces the behavior and makes it more likely next time. And, like, you're probably like, okay, why does this happen? And there's no, like, exact, like, this is why it happens, but it's theorized that there's two factors um half is genetic impulsivity and then half is childhood adverse events and then when you add those together you get preference for immediate reward and the more trauma you had growing up the more likely you are to be an impulsive adult um because trauma teaches us that things aren't fair the world isn't safe and people aren't trustworthy so why wouldn't you take what you can get when you can get it and why would you believe that something better is coming and you know, just because we know that genetics and childhood experience contribute to adult impulsivity doesn't mean you're doomed to be this way forever. I just want to, like, remind you guys that, you know, mindfulness practice, like, DBT, therapy, whatever, they can help you be less impulsive, and it's hard work. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's worth it, and you're not going to be like this forever. So, the next section I want to talk about is BPD and black and white thinking, which I definitely brought up earlier why did I say definitely like I did bring up earlier um but I didn't go into too much detail and black and white thinking is um it's it's also known as all or nothing so naturally people with BPD will sit in like one extreme or the other and find it difficult to balance the two states of mind so it's like one side is all, one side's nothing. One side is self-denial, one side is self-indulgence. One side is your reasonable mind, and one side is your emotion mind. So, how can people with BPD manage this? You have to find the ground between the two extremes. So, say, for example, like, on one side, I want to go back to my old college. But, on my right side, I'm like, I want to prioritize my mental health. So, finding the middle ground between the two extremes can be done by putting an and between the two phrases. So, like, I want to go back to my old college and prioritize my mental health. And it's just showing you that, like, both statements can be true rather than one or the other, which is what people with BPD normally feels. Feels. Normally feel. Sorry. And... I just want to remind you, if you have BPD, that extreme thinking leads to extreme actions and more balanced thoughts equal more balanced relations. So, that is my tip for you. Our next section is BPD and goals with communication. Um, You know, people with BPD, they struggle a lot to build new relationships and maintain and strengthen current relationships and deal with conflict when it comes up. Um, 
but there's three things that you have to think about when this happens so there's one and it's what do I want two what do I have to do to keep this relationship and three what do I have to do to keep my self-respect so when an interaction occurs put the following questions in order of priority and you're like probably like what what does prioritizing a relationship look like and it's acting in a way so that the other person continues to like and respect you so it's like agreeing to saying yes to going somewhere you don't want to go or maybe they want you to dye your hair or whatever and then balancing your immediate goals with the good of the long-term relationship um so another question is like what if I always prioritize keeping a relationship over my goals or self-respect and if you're always prioritizing your relationships and interactions this eventually will cause your relationships to end because if you continuously are pushing down your feelings and thoughts in situations to keep a relationship eventually the relationship will either blow up or one person or both people will walk away and if we push down too often eventually something may trigger us to respond in a way that is disproportionate to the situation because lots of smaller things that we hadn't communicated have built up Sometimes it is effective to prioritize a relationship. However, for each social interaction, remember to decide which question you are prioritizing so that you can establish how to be the most effective. And I know this is a lot of words, but I told you I had notes and I was going to read them for you. So now I have some tips for those of you that are living with BPD and maybe have been recently self-diagnosed. And you know, daily life with BPD is extremely difficult, but there are things you can do to make it easier and every tip here is something that I, I use and you know with a lot of consistency and practicing each of these has had such a big impact on my mental health so first is learn your sensory limitations people with BPD are more likely to have sensory processing disorders so you may especially be sensitive to touch taste sound smells or just general overload so for me I hate rain on my body it makes me itchy it makes me uncomfortable I feel dirty and disgusting and it makes me panic. So pay attention to what you're sensitive to and how to manage it. So like sometimes, for example, my brother's room is right above mine and he can be so loud. So loud. So for example, for the rain, I have my umbrella and I always check when it's going to rain. And for my brother, I have nose can nose nose canceling. I have noise canceling headphones and like a weighted blanket and like just just stuff that can calm me down the next step i have is to use code words if there is someone who's a part of your recovery like your mom your dad your boyfriend girlfriend whoever consider creating code words to communicate so like one code word could be like my symptoms are really bad right now and i need your help with blank or like i care and then the other one could be like i care about you very much and also your symptoms are making it hard for me to support you right now i'm taking a break by blank and if that doesn't make sense for me like sometimes I don't want to explain things to people when I'm freaking out so I'll just say I'm having an episode which can be very confusing because I also have chronic illness episodes so normally I'll say I'm having a BPD episode and then people know like tread lightly and if I'm like I need you here with me please stay with me but if I'm like I need some time alone you know go um this one, I know I said I, f I'm f I follow all these tips, but I don't follow this one. I'm so sorry. I mean, I do, but not like I don't wake up early, but it's establishing a morning routine and it helps soothe your nervous system by making your day predictable. So what I'm trying to do right now is adding one thing to my morning routine, like at a time. So like brushing my teeth, 
and then showering and then food and then movement mindfulness reading just little things also I don't shower in the morning if you do you need help I'm kidding um the next thing is to learn what you need and the most single important thing you can do for your recovery is to identify what you need when you're distressed some people they need quiet time and they need space and they need like a place to think some people need to express their emotions through loud music or screaming into a pillow and some people might feel better after like painting or reading find what works for you and then use it but keep in mind that this is not what other people can do to avoid triggering you that is a very important thing this next one makes me so happy and I actually have like well I'm gonna spoil it but um it's keep a photo album on your phone of pleasant moments so like screenshot that nice text you got or like a cute email or pictures of your favorite food or your favorite vacation or whatever because with BPD your brain can find it hard to remember the good times when you're feeling stressed and if you look at this album you you can you're gonna remember it and it's gonna make you so happy this is for suicide um, but it's make a crisis kit and a safety plan a crisis kit contains things that will help soothe you like for me when I'm having a panic attack I get really hot and overheated so for example like a disposable ice pack a journal something soft and warm a scented candle a weighted blanket etc and a safety plan it's a step-by-step guide step-by-step guide for what to do when you have thoughts of self-harm or suicide and you can like look online because there's a ton of options this next one is not instant but the research proves it helps but if you practice mindfulness regularly you'll be able able wow i really like need help speaking english i've said this before but Greek was my first language, not English, so I have an excuse. But if you practice mindfulness regularly, you'll be able to manage your emotions. So find a type of mindfulness you like. It can be like guided meditations, breathing exercises, yoga, whatever, and practice it regularly. And then my last tip is remember that it's temporary and no matter how bad you feel in this moment, it's not going to last forever. And there's no feeling or situation that lasts an entire lifetime and all you have to do is get through one minute at a time. And I know it can be done and I am right beside you and I'm cheering you on and wishing you the absolute best. I'm sending you all my good love and vibes and juju. As much as I want to continue talking about this all night, um, I don't want to keep you here any longer and I don't want you to hate me. So I really hope that you learned something today and I hope that this at least helped you understand like me if I'm your friend or your friends or somebody like I I just hope it helped you learn something today um thank you so much for listening make sure to follow the podcast's instagram at uncensored podcast with two t's and my instagram it's at mia redders with two s's I will see you in the next time in the next time (sighs) maybe I shouldn't be a freaking podcaster like maybe I just shouldn't (laughs) but I'll see you in the next episode I love you so much I still don't have an outro song because I don't want to use my Home Depot one, but I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. If you or someone you love is currently having suicidal thoughts, please call or text the National Suicide Hotline at 988. That's 988.